0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast called Releasing Forgiveness. Father, we thank you so much as you've settled our minds, you've settled our hearts. Father, we want to be a people that forgives quickly, that walks in forgiveness. God, that we understand how much we've been forgiven by you, how our debt has been canceled, our sin has been uh, canceled. Father, And as we know that we are forgiven people, the appropriate response is to walk in a spirit of forgiveness. So right now we release forgiveness, prepare our hearts. There's things some of us have been harboring for um, not just months, but years and even decades. God, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, begin to, to do work in the deepest parts of us. Or maybe there's a repeated offender in our life that, puts us to the test to walk in forgiveness. God, your word says that we are to forgive 70 times 7 that it is a perpetual process in this life of forgiving. So Father, we ask that you would open up our minds, our hearts, and as you do so as you change and heal our brokenness, then what we put our hand to can be healthy. So God, do the work on the inside so that on the outside we can see change in our world and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, Tim, you can put up our scripture. I want to open up with Romans chapter 12. And Romans 12, 14 through 19 uh, speaks of uh, a quick um, understanding of forgiveness from uh, the words and from the heart of Paul. And as we read Romans chapter 12, it, it puts in to the forefront of our mind or at least it should um, of really the supernatural way forgiveness has of what it leads into and how we're to operate in it but here's what it says in regards to when um, we're dealing with enemies or we're dealing with those that um, don't want your good or, or are not blessing you but are cursing you it says to bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse so you don't return evil with evil It says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. In other words, walk in unity. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It says repay no one evil for evil and have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with, with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we quote that verse, we hear that verse all the time, as vengeance is his, it's not ours. Um, But walking in that, um, I like to say is, it's easy to trust God and walk in faith with your family, with your finances at times, with uh, your spouse, but it's another thing to have faith in the process and promises of God to trust him with your enemies, right? That kind of takes a whole nother level of faith because there's something within us that wants to take matters in our own hand. Or as Paul is saying, don't do what I did before I was converted and operate in vengeance, but I I want you to know and I want you to walk in forgiveness. And so I want to do... A compare and contrast because I think in the process of forgiveness um, we get it mixed up or we get it confused of what forgiveness is and what it is not and my heart through this is I love all of you dearly and if you don't walk in forgiveness you're not going to be healthy um, if the opposite or the contrast to forgiveness is simply bitterness and life is hard enough that if we're not practicing and releasing forgiveness then the, then the exchange that you're going to have um, if you don't walk in that is you're going to be bitter. You're going to be unhealthy. Um, what comes out of your mouth is not going to be encouraging and uplifting. There's going to be an edge to you. Uh, you look at, uh, maybe you know some elderly in your life that are just very bitter toward the end. And it usually goes with, it usually comes out at the end of their life when it's there's unchecked forgiveness that they haven't, Uh, Walked a a lifestyle of forgiveness. And then as they get toward the end, we all know the filter kind of leaves a little bit and what's in them comes out of them. And uh, you either want to hear faith or you want to hear, you either hear fear or you hear unforgiveness or you hear forgiveness. And so my heart is, is, as I shepherd your heart, as I shepherd you, is that you live in everyday awareness that I'm going to make a decision today release forgiveness, that the the pains of my past aren't going to define my future, uh, but it's going to be done through this lens of forgiveness. And we know the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness, especially Paul, who really is an expert on it because he was probably the most unforgiving murderer of Christian, persecutor of God's people, and how he had his conversion of where God captured his heart. He not only was spiritually blind at the time, God made him physically blind. God took vengeance into his own hands, set Paul, saw free, turned him into Paul, and then he became one of the greatest teachers outside of Jesus on teaching us how to walk in forgiveness. So I think Paul's an authority we can all respect because he was one who very much operated in unforgiveness, came to the light, and then walked in forgiveness And showed us a path forward of how we're to model this and live this out um, every day so if you're taking notes I want to start with talking about what forgiveness is not and I want to go through seven things Um, if you're you're, love a little pastor's human we have seven things for not because we're supposed to forgive 70 times seven and then we're going to have seven things for what it is Uh, so we got to anytime you talk about forgiveness you got to incorporate seven okay Um, it's just what you do But uh, these last couple weeks and the next couple weeks are more topical based sermons. Uh, I'm preparing our our Christmas season uh, for what our next series is going to be as we go through that. But I just want to share some messages that are near and dear to my heart uh, to prepare you for the holiday season, because we all need a little preparation as we see in laws and families and people we haven't seen in 364 days. Um, So these are just good messages. Uh, to how to overcome our fear and anxiety like last week. And this is just a good, I usually like to take this time of year and give just good pastoral messages, reminders that we need um, of how we're to just operate day to day, live by faith every day, get up and and trust God and that these are just reminders we need in order to function and be healthy Christians, not be jaded, edgy, um, unhealthy followers of Christ. Um, So my heart is, is that we're even going to have a time at the end. We're going to do that song again. Oh, come to the altar. And um, that that would be a moment that whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance this morning or something you have not forgiven, that it would be a a physical act of an invisible reality taking place in your life of saying, I am releasing this unforgiveness or I am releasing that person. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer gonna be the judge in this situation and I'm giving the situation to judge Jesus because he is gonna handle it much better than I can. So we ready to investigate this a little bit, look into um, what forgiveness is not. Number one is this, is that it is not ignoring, denying, or enabling or continuing what happened. So when we um, say that we're walking in, uh, forgiveness. It's not saying I'm going to become blind to the reality of the situation and I'm, I'm not going to ignore, I'm not going to deny, and, and most certainly I'm not going to continue to enable the situation. So it's very much being realistic. When we say we forgive somebody, it's not going into this other dimension of saying I'm going to act like what, where the hurt and the pain came from never happened to me. Because if you talk to to someone who experienced traumatic abuse in their life, and you tell them this that uh, you know you just now okay you've forgiven them you got to forget it and you got to ignore it and you got to just kind of get to a place of denying it never happened that's really no good for anybody. So I think this is a myth that we can get scrambled in of saying when I forgive I'm ignoring denying um, what actually happened. So. That is that's the first thing of what forgiveness is not. Number two is uh, it's not enabling someone to continue to harm themselves or others. Um, studies will show when uh, someone makes a a poor choice is uh, it's usually a perpetual cycle of that choice happening until the Spirit of God deals with it until there's discipline around it. Um, that usually it's not just a one and done situation, but you then have to get in and be discipled. You have to change your mind. Repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry, right? Um, it's saying, I'm going to change my thinking regarding the situation. So when, we, when we're walking in forgiveness, it's not this, this word that I, I really want to keep you seeing in these first two points. is It's not enabling something to continue to happen. Um, but what we're going to see is is forgiveness is not about them, it's about him. And when you walk in forgiveness, it's not saying that they have the key to my freedom. He has the key. So when I've been hurt or done wrong or something has happened to me that is causing me to, to teeter the line of, of being angry, frustrated, or bitter, is I then have to shift my focus to him, get forgiveness there so that I'm not um uh taking it to them and operating in anger or hurt or bitterness uh so it's not enabling the situation even for their own good to harm themselves uh, because a lot of the times it's it, it's self harm uh in a, in many situations number three it's it's not forgetting now as I was doing a, a study on uh forgiveness and you can mark it jeremiah thirty one thirty four but we know that God is is omnipresent right uh, we know that all the, the omnis that exist um, and we hear this all the time and, and yes it's in scripture that he, he forgets our sins well if you, if you say that God uh, forgets it's not in his nature to forget really anything now in essence he doesn't hold that sin against you anymore uh, but what uh, is I was is doing kind of a deep dive study on this is he? Choo- God chooses to put it in a place where he no longer just like with love what does it say in Corinthians it holds no record of wrongs now when he chooses to forget it it's no longer on your slate your slate is cleaned but do, do we think that he really has completely forgot it or has he put it in a place of where it no longer holds it against you now take it into you and I when we forgive we never forget right that it's it's we have to somehow find it to compartmentalize what's been done to us. Uh, there was uh, one study done that said, and understanding how when we forgive, we don't forget, is and um, thinking of our, our, our mind as a home, is we get to choose where we put that unforgiveness. Do we put that unforgiveness at the dinner table every day, or do we take it out put it in a box, and and lock it away in the basement where it's not on the forefront of our life anymore. They're, that person or that situation is forgiven, but I'm not putting the box on the table and opening it up every day and discussing it and rehearsing it and walking through it. And so when the the mantra of forgive and forget, we can make a conscious decision to say, I'm gonna do my best to forget it. But deep down, especially if, Three, four, you name the timeline, it happens again. It's going to be a, a, a repeated offense that happens against you, and then it's going to trug, trudge up everything that happened on the first run or the second run and bring it to the forefront and add to that. So when we say we can just completely forget it and be whimsical about it, um, I don't know about you, but that can be very difficult. So I'm just trying to be real. And give you solutions in ways. There's different ways we all handle these things, but I want you to see that forgiveness is really different than forgetting, um, that, th- that the two do look different. Um, I also want to say too is that, um, and I guess ask you a question, are we to wait on someone's repentance for us to forgive? God never gives us that green light. That our our goal is to always forgive even before somebody repents or somebody um, comes clean about what they've done to you or, or how they've wronged you. Uh, but we're always to forgive first before any repentance ever comes from the other side. We're called to forgive if, they, if, if that person or that situation never comes up. Now we're going to talk, there is a difference between forgiveness, trust, and reconciliation. Reconciliation and trust are not in the same ballpark as forgiveness. Forgiveness is the beginning. You have to forgive before any kind of trust and reconciliation can happen. Uh, but we have to understand that, that again, what it is not, and it's, it's not always saying, okay, I forgive, so then, therefore, I'm forgetting. Uh, number four, it's, again, it's not trust and reconciliation. And um, I like this, is forgiveness is free, trust is earned. We're to give forgiveness freely, but trust brings us into the camp of where it has to be earned. If, you had, if you've had someone who has, um, ha, say someone you have a business, someone stole from you, you forgive them, but do you trust them fully like you did before you come to the knowledge that they stole from you? The answer should be no. If you do, you're probably not a good businessman and you're gonna get stolen from again. Uh, but trust takes time to build and then, without trust, you can never have reconciliation of entering back into a relationship. And see, the myth too of of forgiveness is is when somebody forgives, um, the myth can be or the deception can be is then we can go straight back to where we to point A again of where we are were that we can just clean the slate between you and I, and we can be good. Uh, but the way that we rebuild trust after forgiveness happened. Happens is it takes time and it takes process and, and it takes both parties, just like Paul said in, in Romans that um, my goal for you is to be peace, peaceable and to walk in peace together. But in order to walk in peace together, it takes two to tango, right? That one party can be willing to walk in peace together, one spouse can be willing to reconcile, but the other cannot be. And in that cannot be phase is where you have to continue to practice forgiveness and to walk in forgiveness and pray that as you release it into his hands and have faith that he can then deal with that situation. He can deal with that person to get you to a place of trust and of reconciliation. You guys tracking this morning? Pray this is encouraging you and and just taking you on a journey of how you get to a place of of forgiveness and what real um, biblical forgiveness is. Number five is uh, forgiveness is not a response to a repentant apology. Uh, like I said, my, our forgiveness does not depend on their repentant repentance. That we don't wait for an apology to forgive is that we when we've been done wrong and we the way you know you've been done wrong is when you begin to get mad, you begin to see hate come into your heart. You begin to see you know what I don't want them to be blessed. I don't want them to see them moving forward. I don't. You just start putting all these I don'ts on somebody else and you begin to get jaded, that's a good indicator, a good trigger um, that there's some unforgiveness or that there's some hate or that there's some bitterness, that there's some anger uh, that you need to address with God. So again, you take it to him first when these things happen and you get your heart right. So you can go into the situation, especially if it's a spouse, especially if it's family, those near and dear, someone in church family, those that you're with, a coworker, people that you're seeing day in and day out, um, it's a good place to be that you don't stay in a place of bitterness and anger. And here's the catch, is most of the time that person doesn't even know you're angry or that you're better. They don't even know that they've done anything wrong. You're just in a, in a place of torment um, because of, of maybe how you perceive something or maybe a situation that happened. So it's not a, a response to a repentant apology. Number six is it's not something the other person even need to know about. Uh, for those of you that just love to talk, um, sometimes it's okay not to have to go to that person about every little petty thing and just say, did you know what you did here? Well, this is what you did, so I'm going to forgive. Um, if I did that, if we did that, and that was the exchange we would have in our marriage all the time, then we would never make any headway and we would never move forward. But there's certain things in love that she does, knowing her, knowing her intentions, knowing her heart, it's just not even worth bringing up. And she does the same with me. So there's there's some petty things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things you address, you talk through, you work through. Uh, But there's some things you don't have to go and assemble the tribe and tell everyone of, that someone messed up your Starbucks order and now you're kind of offended because I think they did it on purpose when I wanted pumpkin spice instead of whatever your favorite caramel drink is, okay? Uh, But we can get, what I'm trying to get to is we can get so petty, and when we get so petty, your heart is not really to find forgiveness, your heart is just to gossip about the situation, pull other people in to your offense and never really move forward and a spirit of forgiveness. So it's guarding your heart. It's guarding the situation. It's guarding the person in that. The answer is obviously, you know, no, that's not how we would, would want to act. We would be so gracious to say, hey, I was just forgiven. You are forgiven. A thousand bucks means nothing in this situation. So Jesus is giving us this contrast is as we are forgiven by him, then it should be this flow that comes from heaven and into us through others to be quick to forgive those around us. Because without that, this is why the world can't forgive and they have to make it all philosophical and psychological because they've not experienced the forgiveness of the Father. When you are a forgiven person and you realize the reality of what Jesus did on the cross and what forgiveness really is, then you are quick to to release forgiveness and quite frankly walk in a state of forgiveness because it's not worth hindering your relationship with him. Scripture even says too that if you if you want, to close the hand of God over your life, stay bitter and walk in unforgiveness that if if you want to close the blessing of God or you want to to shut the favor of God or the or, or his goodness over your life, stop forgiving and uh, I, I, I like to say too that there's only two cultures when when uh, this life ends it's the culture of heaven or it's the culture of hell. it's not America, it's not all of the other uh, reigning, ruling and reigning countries and, and political systems. It's either the culture of heaven and the culture of hell. And when we forgive, we pull the culture of heaven down. And when we, when we walk in unforgiveness, we pull the culture of heaven up, if, if that's the best I can explain that. And so we see again that our forgiveness does look different than God's forgiveness, but we have to experience God's forgiveness in order to operate in biblical forgiveness. So what forgiveness is, I want to I look at these quickly. Um, and I just want to set set the moment and set the time for you to just respond in forgiveness and just challenge you of where maybe you're getting a couple things off and getting a couple things wrong. So we also see this is that number one, it's replacing demonic strongholds with the Holy Spirit's anointing. If you want to disarm the demonic, simply forgive. Anyone use a fresh tool to disarm the demonic in your life? Disarm the dem- demonic in a situation? Try forgiving and see what God would begin to do. So it, it's replacing demonic strongholds with the Holy Spirit's anointing. Number two, it's, it's forgiving. A debt owed to you. See, forgiveness costs you something. Costs you something. Think of this: if you had, um, if you had in your childhood, if you had parents that were emotionally disconnected from you, or you look into your childhood, maybe they weren't uh, followers of Christ and, and brought you up in the things of God. Uh, there's probably going to be. Then you come to the revelation of God. You have a, a moment that. Maybe it was their ignorance or maybe it was in their defiance. Whatever it is, it, it doesn't justify it. But you have to make a decision of, I have to forgive them for that moment or for that situation or just quite frankly anything. Is It's forgiving a debt owed to you. And, and, and what I'm trying to get to here is that when you forgive, it costs you something. When you forgive someone who owes a debt or someone who's wronged you, It's saying, okay, let's talk about the uh, uh, the emotionally disconnect father for for an example. Is I'm choosing to forgive that debt, and I'm going to walk in forgiveness and not hold that against them. And if I don't walk in forgiveness in the situation, then I'm going to put vengeance on them, and I'm going to make them pay for the wrong that was done to me when I had no control over it or out of this, when it was out of my situation. So I can either put the hand of vengeance toward a situation or I can put the hand of forgiveness toward the situation. And again, that's just an example. It's usually the leading cause of a father wound. That's why I chose that. But um, I, I want you to see is that forgiveness costs you something and forgiveness, um, though it's required, isn't always easy. But that's okay. It's okay that it is hard um, because that means usually if you can just say, Oh, I forgive them, then it, there's probably nothing backing it or nothing carrying it or no real uh, intent or purpose with it. But when you feel the cost and the, the gut wrench, um, the, the pain in, in wanting to forgive is usually where God wants to get you so that it's real, it's not just lip service. Um, It's just not an empty apology or an empty word, but it's something that is from the core of who you are. And this is what faith says, is that I have to trust in his way and his plan over what I think is best for the situation. And again, quite frankly, that that can be one of the hardest things we have to do because we think we can handle it better and we can do it quicker and more efficiently um, than at times when God can do it. Number three, it's an act of faith in God to deal with them justly. So it's trusting him and his justice and in his way, not taking justice into our own hands, but baptizing it in prayer and getting God's heart for the situation. It's getting, number four, the sin, hurt, and burden away from your future. I think this is powerful. How many times have you seen something that happened to Grandpa that, Uh, two generations later, three generations later, still carries some hurt that's completely disconnected, but it's a story that's been passed down at the dinner table that there's a certain family we don't like because of X, Y, Z. And so that sin, that hurt, and that pain has literally went generationally down all the way to their grandkids or even great-grandkids. And so if you're going to walk free of that and not burden your future um a lot of the times when i was reading it it can take a little thing a little thing by someone you trust or has influence or a big person in your life when they do a little thing it can hurt a lot worse than when a big thing is done to you by someone that you don't even know or really care about or disconnected from but it's it's someone that you've drawn close to that you love i.e. a spouse a family member um that when they do something small, because of your investment in that relationship, it can hurt a lot worse than if if um, Joe over in uh, the cubicle down the hall said something to you. You're just going to blow that off, and I, I don't care what Joe has. I don't even know who Joe is. But someone close to you says that it can take on pain, and you can uh, take it to heart uh, because of your investment in that relationship. So it's it's. Self, it's guarding through forgiveness um, and not allowing the sin, the hurt, and the burden uh, to rob you of your future. Number five, it's a one time decision and an ongoing process. This is where we get 70 times seven. So the minute you say, I forgive, then you're signing up to say, Now I'm going to walk in the process or the place of forgiveness from this day forward. It's not backtracking and saying, you know what? I didn't really mean that. I don't forgive them. I'm taking vengeance into my own hands now. Let's go to war. Let's, let's call a war, right? So it's saying that I am signing up for the ongoing process of forgiveness. And that's why we get 70 times seven. It's not the exact formula, but it's saying that you throw any number out, any big high number in the millions and billions, that this is how we are created, um, that Jesus even says himself, you will get offended, but in light of that, you've got to walk in forgiveness because if you don't, and there's even times that you can miss something um, of that you should operate in forgiveness in, and it's usually in services like this is that God would even bring that up and say, you know what? Maybe the reason I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with now is I didn't forgive back then or I didn't forgive in that area, and I've made a line and a litter of choices and unforgiveness that this is now the pain at hand today because of unforgiveness that was then. Uh, So it's trusting the ongoing process of 70 times 7. Number six is it's seeking internal and external peace to be healthy. Um, We understand, and we saw this through 2020, and uh, everything that we went is it can be crazy out there, but as long as it's crazy out there and it's going to always be crazy out there, what our job is, is to keep peace in here. That there can be all hell going on. There can be every confusion and divisive and wicked thing uh, going on out there. But thank God that we can control our response and our heart posture in here. And if it can be good in here, then what's out there has much less of a negative effect or a wicked effect on our lives because we're fortifying ourselves, we're guarding our heart, we're putting the word of God to work in our lives, we're having uh, the word of God be our, our forecast, our guiding light, and our lens. And so it's it's being intentional, where I wanted to get in this point, is it's being intentional to be a peacemaker. And Paul says that in Romans, that it's better to be a peacemaker. And so if you can be a peacemaker and there is a path of peace, take it and go for it. And trust God in that. But it has to start internally to get to the external. Um, last but not least, and I love this, is it's a witness to others who are watching. In a, in a world that doesn't operate in forgiveness, in a world that is dog-eat-dog, dog, in a world that will use and abuse you to get that promotion, to get a better seat, to get a better parking spot, um, you name it. The church should be the forefront leader in operating in how this exchange works and how we forgive and how um, we love. That this was the gospel of the kingdom is that God came, became a man in Jesus and showed us how to forgive, showed us how we don't wage war on our enemies, we love our enemies. We, we uh, operate differently with a different heart and with a different spirit and with a different nature. Um, I think about this and I wanna close with this. Uh, and Bree, if you would come, is when you think of Stephen, and and we talked about this in the book of Acts, is when you think about the stoning of Stephen, he was the first martyr of the church. It says that um, Saul, in his time, he was the alpha of those leading the persecution of the church, and how Stephen was brought into the square, and it was all... Um, the delegates, it was those that didn't want to see the spread of Christianity move forward, that they all gathered, they threw Stephen in the courtyard and they begin to prepare his stoning. And it says off in the distance, um, and all of these men that w- would stone, it said that they laid their coats at Saul, showing that he is the alpha, he is the one leading this movement forward to quench and to quelch the church. And so it says as as Stephen is thrown, and you can go and read it in the book of Acts. But it says that uh, he began to forgive. And so you can think of Stephen, he remembers of hearing what Jesus did on the cross. That Jesus said in his last breath, forgive them, don't hold their sins against them, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That Jesus is literally forgiving in his final moments and in his final breaths. And when you see anyone, whatever they say at the end of their life, it's usually important. How much more is it important? What, what are the final words? What was the final prayer of Jesus? It was forgiveness. What was the final words of Jesus? It was forgiveness. Because he knew that you and I, if we're, gonna be, if we're not gonna be so walloped and overcome by bitterness, rage, anger, unforgiveness, that we're gonna have to be forgivers and be quick forgivers and have the spirit of forgiveness and release it in our life. And so, Stephen, he models what Jesus says. What he says is, don't hold their sins against them. They don't know what they're doing. So, Stephen, as rocks are being hurled at him, he's forgiving. And it says that as he forgives, it says uh, that the heavens open up. And it's one of these prophetic moments like you see in the book of Daniel, that you see in the book of Revelation, Isaiah. It has this, this language and literature of how the heavens open up. And it says that he sees the, the Son of God at the right hand stand up. And as I was reading and studying this, uh, it was, as Jesus stood up, it was almost in a, in a spirit of celebration saying, you go, Stephen, you're doing the right thing. I, I'm honoring you and celebrating you in this moment as you are choosing to forgive in your darkest hour. And there's almost something that, I, that the Spirit of God spoke to me through that. Is when you choose to forgive, let's see the Son of God stand and cheer us on saying, I know that this is hard, but it is the godly thing. It is the right thing. It is the biblical thing. And I am cheering you on to release forgiveness. And the cost of us following Jesus is far less than what Stephen did. His relationship with God with the Son of God caused him his life, caused him great pain, physical pain at the end of his life. If What I'm saying is, if Stephen forget, if the, if, can forgive, if the heroes of old can forgive, how much more can we forgive? And so I want you to walk in freedom, and I want you to be healthy, and it only comes at the intersection of forgiveness. So I want you to stand, I want to pray, and I want you just to think about What situation, what circumstance, what moment in your life do you need to bring to the altar? Do you need to forgive? That the blood of Jesus already forgives our sins, past, present, and future. And when we hear of that grace that's been given to us, how much more should we be putting grace on different situations in our life? Father, we ask right now, for the faith to forgive. The faith to forgive enemies, the faith to forgive family, the faith to forgive our spouse, the faith to forgive anyone that has wronged us, anyone we think that has wronged us. Father, we want to put grace on the situation so that we open a clenched fist and we transfer the burden to you. We talked of this last week, that prayer transfers the burden and gives it to Jesus. Father, right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to do work on our hearts, would begin to do work on our minds. The Spirit of God would lead us to forgiveness. Your your magnetic pull is always toward forgiveness. Your draw, your lean in is always forgiveness. Father, we want to be a forgiven people so that we can forgive people. We understand that the key is with him. It's not with them. God, it even says in, in parts of scripture that as is, is Paul talks in Romans 12, as you go on and read in Romans 14, and even in Matthew 18, and in that story, is that if you don't forgive, that you're tormented by the jailer the jailer is the demonic the jailer is satan if we don't forgive then we're going to be tormented we're going to be conspiracy all the things that it says what happens when we don't walk in forgiveness god i pray that this be a church that forgives and as we forgive trust can be can flourish reconciliation can flourish that our world needs to see a people who not just say it, but live it. So, Father, we ask that you do this work in us and through us. And, God, as we worship, that the worry would subside and that we take a physical step of saying, I am releasing forgiveness over this person, over this situation, over what was done to me in my past. And even if, nothing was, even if there's nothing that comes up, I want to fortify myself today because something is going to happen where I am going to need forgiveness and not to walk in offense or bitterness. So, Father, as we worship, prepare our hearts. And as you're worshiping, if you just need to simply come to the altar and, and take a knee and let it be a physical sign of I'm choosing to walk in forgiveness, I'm the first to bow at the altar. I need forgiveness. Father, that we thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning. Touch your people. Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of your people. Set us free. Heal us, redeem us, forgive us in this moment and in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you enjoyed today's message called releasing forgiveness. We hope you have a wonderful week and we hope to see you Sunday.